If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. I have nothing new to share, uh, but I've got some news to share. I'm grateful for that. When I was growing up, I was privileged to be raised in a church where the Word of God was preached weekly. During several of the, several of the service, there would be members that would stand up and tell of the saving grace of God. That had been happening in that little bitty spot on that little bitty hillside since about 1851. But actually, those saints at that little church called New Liberty was part of a greater salvation story that stretched a lot farther than 1851. It could go back 2,000 years to when Jesus Christ had come and lived and died and was buried and rose again on the third day. That was the culmination of the story, but actually, as we consider some of the Old Testament saints, we can go all the way back to this story because it was Adam and Eve that had to look to the cross. They were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for a Savior to come into the world. The same thing happened for Abraham. It said, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Tonight, if you want to be saved, you're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to trust Him with all of your hearts. You're going to have to rely on His Spirit to get you there because I don't have the power to get you there. This church doesn't have the power to get you there. But I'll tell you, God has the power to take care of your conversion tonight if it is His will. We go on and think about David. He was looking forward to that day that Christ would come. And he said in Psalm 32, he wrote these words, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is a man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. All of the Old Testament saints were saved the same way the New Testament saints have been saved. It's always been by repentance, turning away from your sin, and turning to the Savior. And so as we open up tonight, I want to share the Lord just put on my heart for the next few days to talk about salvation stories in the Bible. Salvation stories in the Bible. The Old Testament saints were looking forward. The Old, Tes- the New- the Old Testament saints were looking forward and the New Testament saints looked back to see what Christ has done for us. But every single person that has ever been saved has centered themselves in Jesus Christ. He's the only way that you can be saved. Tonight I want to introduce you to a man that Jesus spoke of in his hometown when he began preaching. Luke chapter 4 tells us that uh, Jesus had gone into Nazareth. He had just come out of the wilderness. He had been empowered by the Spirit of God. He went into his hometown. He opened up. They handed him the scroll on the Sabbath day and he began to read that the Lord had anointed him to come and to preach good tidings to the poor. He had anointed him to heal the brokenhearted. Maybe here tonight, you, you may not have a penny in your pocket, but I'll tell you, God can give you something to make you richer than the richest person in this world. You may came came in here this morning or this evening with a broken heart. I'll tell you, there's one that can heal you from that broken heart. 
He came to preach deliverance to the captives and the opening of the sight to the blind. Jesus came to save. As he shared that story there in Nazareth to those people, many of them were wondering, hey, you're you're kind of talking out of your head because he had sat down. He said, today this message is fulfilled in your hearing. The Christ had arrived. He had entered into the world. The Savior who God had promised was standing in their presence. But yet their hearts were filled with rejection and disbelief. They didn't believe that Jesus truly was who He said He was. And Jesus shared a couple stories with them about Elijah and Elisha. And He reminded them that God's heart has always been for the nations. Not just a small group of people, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles. Jesus said, he began to tell about Elisha. He said, in the days of Elisha, there were all kinds of lepers in Israel. But there was only one that got cleansed. And Jesus declared, he got cleansed. And tonight, I want to testify to you, I believe he got cleansed on the outside and on the inside. And so if you want to read this story with me in 2 Kings chapter 5, the title of the message will be Cleansed, Cleansed. If you want to go to heaven, if you want to be right in the eyes of God, you must be cleansed. You must be made pure. You must be washed. On the way up here, I was thinking about grabbing an old rag in the garage that had a lot of stain where I would detail the car, and I'd get in around the rims of the car, and many of you know what I'm talking about. If you really want to uh, uh, detail your car and get into into those rims of that car, it's where all all that brake fluid and all the dirt and all the grime and all of those things, uh, they get collected on that tire, but when you begin to wipe that off, that that, uh, tire gets to shining, but that rag is defiled and dirty. Needs cleansed. Perhaps your soul is in that condition tonight. Defiled and dirty by the things of this world. Let's engage a story and see what happens to this man named Naaman. It says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria... He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. The Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Then one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now... When this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. 
And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over, this, over the place, and recover the leper." Are not Abana and Farfar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. The servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee take a blessing of thy servant." As we look at this message tonight before you, I want us to, first of all, consider Naaman's prestige and his problem. He had a lot of prestige, had a lot of accomplishments, but he had a big problem in his life. We also see God's providence in pointing Naaman toward the cure. It's amazing how God works to point us to the Savior of the world. That's all that Brother Brad and I can do this whole week is point you to the Savior of the world. But God uses human instruments in unique places at times to point us to the Savior. That's what he does in this story. We'll also look how Naaman proceeds to purchase the cure. Naaman thinks that this salvation, that, that this, this cure, this remedy was something that he could purchase. Something that he could earn, but I've got to tell you tonight, you don't have to have a penny in your pocket to be saved. You, you can come because somebody else has already paid the price. We'll look also at Naaman's pride because it becomes an obstacle in his life. And so many people who seek the Lord, pride stands in the way between you and God. It's an obstacle. But oh, I love this last part. The prophet's words... Prove true. How many of you have been able to hear some old preacher preach to you about Jesus, tell you how bad you needed him, how sinful you were, and how holy God was? And you listened to the remedy and you obeyed. And you ended up in the story like old Naaman did. Now I know 
It's not just name and salvation story that we're talking about. I pray that by the end of this week that you'll be able to say that, hey, this overarching story, God's great story of deliverance. I've heard about God's great story. I've heard about Naaman. But let me tell you my story. Let me tell you how God saved me and met me and made me clean and pure and holy on the inside. So it says Naaman here was a captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a very successful man from the world's perspective. Naaman's name means pleasantness. Uh, he certainly brought great pleasure unto the king that he served. He was a commander of the army. So this man uh, had a lot of power. He had a lot of authority in his life. And so uh, we see that he knew what it was like when Jesus was talking to the Roman centurion. He, would, uh, he, he had a servant that was sick. And uh, Jesus, he had gone to ask Jesus, will you come and heal my servant? And he said, you don't even have to come to my house. If you just say go, I know that's, it'll happen. He said, I tell, I, tell, sir, I tell soldiers to go, and they go. I tell soldiers to come, and they come. I tell soldiers to do this and do this. And he said, if you just speak the word only, Jesus, I know you have that kind of authority and that kind of power. Naaman had that kind of authority and that kind of power. Uh, he had the ability to move a lot of people around. It says that he was a great man with his master. Certainly his master had trusted him with all of his armies and no doubt that Naaman had brought great success. It says he was an honorable man, highly esteemed and well respected, favored by the king. Now they probably had thought that it was Naaman's talents and abilities that had brought about these victories, but the Bible tells us here clearly That it was the Lord that had blessed Naaman's life even before he knew him. You know, you might be here tonight and the Lord has blessed your life before you even came to know him. I can say that for myself. I had parents and grandparents that took me into the house of the Lord before I ever knew him. I was allowed the privilege to sit under the preaching of God's holy word. And I didn't realize how privileged and what an honor it was to be able to hear of the Christian faith, to grow up and to hear about the triune God, to be taught about the way of salvation. What a joy and privilege that was. God had been blessing Naaman's life even before he even came to know him. He was a mighty man, a courageous man, a warrior, it tells us. He had economic power, political power, but he didn't know about the spiritual power. He had all these accomplishments. But the Bible says that with all this worldly prestige, it says he had a major problem. He said, he said, you got all this going on for you, but, but he was a leper. Dear friend, you may be here tonight and you may be the most popular in your school. You may get the highest grades in your class. You may be the fastest person on your sporting team. But I've got to tell you tonight, you may have a lot of prestige, but you have a major problem. You have a problem with sin. You see here in, the, in, this, in this section here, he says he was a leper. 
Naaman was a successful man, but he was also a sick man. Leprosy in those days was something that was like a skin disorder. Sometimes it would create white patches on your skin. It would, it would create running sores. Sometimes you would lose some of your fingers and your toes. It would desensitize your nerves at times that you might bump your hands up against something and you really couldn't feel what had happened. You, you really couldn't feel the world around you. But leprosy was not only a natural skin disease, it was also a type and a shadow of sin. A type and a shadow of sin because sin does the same thing. Sin works in our lives. Every one of us here were born in sin. It says in the scriptures that in sin, my mother did conceive me. Tonight, as we consider not only Naaman's prestige, but his problem, every one of us were born in sin. By nature of entering into this world, you have inherited Adam's transgression. And because of that, it says the wages of sin is death. And just like that leprosy would gnaw away at the life of Naaman, I'll tell you, sin will gnaw away at your life. It will lead to a hardening of your heart. It will cause you to be desensitized to the things of this world and actually eat you up from the inside out. And you can often hide it from people in the world. Naaman, when he put on his five-star general suit, he could hide the fact that he was a leper. He could wear long sleeves all the way down and nobody could see it. He could wear it really high and tight and make sure that everybody really can't see what's really going on on the inside. But I'll tell you, sin, although that we can't see all that's going on on the inside, God sees your heart. And He sees you have a lot of prestige perhaps, but you've got a major problem. But God is so good to you, and He's so good to me. As Naaman had gone out on some of his excursions in war, it said that he had gathered up. Sometimes when they'd go into different places, they would gather up people from other nations, and they would bring them captive. And there was a little girl that was in Israel that was taken captive. And she was brought home by Naaman. And she became a servant of Naaman's wife. Can't imagine the suffering that she went through to be separated from her family. But no doubt her faith must have shined. Because I'll tell you, for her to still be testifying that there's a God in Israel and there's a prophet in Israel and being separated from your family and to have to serve under these conditions. What an amazing face she must have had that she said she was willing to speak up. This was a young girl, by the way. This was a young girl that was hurting, that had gone through suffering. She knew about the Lord. She knew there was a prophet in Israel. Her faith was shining bright. She says to her, uh, to Naaman's wife that, hey, if, if Naaman could just get to Israel and to hear that prophet and to listen to what that prophet has to say, perhaps he could be healed. You see, she knew there was a cure. Dear young person tonight, I want to encourage you. If you know the Lord, don't be afraid to speak up. 
Even if your situation in your life is not very easy, your faith can shine very bright. And who knows? God used a no-name little girl to impact a man who was well-known in the community and everywhere around them. He used, God often uses the weak things and the small things to confound the wise. You may say that, hey, we're in this little church house out in the middle of the country. God can use these little weak places where the gospel is. It may be not, it may not be the most popular house in town, but I tell you, God chooses the weak things, the small things, the despised things to accomplish his purposes. And so she tells Naaman, you know what Naaman does? Naaman he took his, this little girl's advice. I'm sure his, his wife said, hey, you've tried everything. You've tried everything. No doubt if there was something in Syria that the king could have bought for him to remedy his problem with leprosy, he had already tried it. All of his resources had been exhausted in that regard. There was no, there was no hope. You know, to have leprosy was something that it would take a miracle of God to cure it. This is why it was such a dreaded disease. Oftentimes, if you read in Leviticus 13 and 14, you'll find that uh, it was something that you, you had to stay away from everybody else. It was something that isolated you and it, it made you unclean. You actually had to walk around and say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. This was a condition that Naaman was in. He was looking for some help. When he got this advice, it says in verse 4, he went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. <laughs> Can you imagine? The king said, Hey, this little maid told me that I need to go over to Israel. There's a cure over there. The king of, Israel, king of Syria said, Go. And so Naaman doesn't waste any time. You know, tonight I want to encourage you, don't waste any time. Don't, this is a song my dad used to sing. Don't put off salvation too long. Don't tarry. Naaman here teaches us a lesson. When he found that there was a cure, he began to be urgent. He actually took off work. He took off work. He went to the king of Syria and said, Hey, I need a leave of absence. I got to get out of here because there's a cure. There's somewhere that I can find a cure for this dreaded disease. It's going to take a miracle. I'll tell you, Jesus is in the miracle business. And I bet by the end of the week, someone can be able to stand up and say, Hey, I know about that miracle. I was once inflicted by this dreadful, sinful, leprous disease on the inside of me. And I met the one. Who touched me and made me whole. So Naaman takes off work and he packs his bags. He begins his journey. And notice what it says here. It says that he, had, he departed in verse 5 and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. You see, Naaman's going to make sure I've got enough money to pay for this. I began to figure this up just to think about how much it was. Ten talents of silver, a talent is about 75 pounds. He loaded down his horses with about 750 pounds of silver. 750 pounds of silver. 
and about 150 pounds of gold and 10 changes of clothes. These clothes, too, were not just a shabby clothes. He knew that if someone had the remedy, if there was a cure that could, that could take care of this leprosy, this thing that was eating me up on the inside that I could cover up day in and day out, he said, if someone can cure that where I don't have to walk around in this guilt and the shame, then I'm willing to pay all that I've got to get it. I added that up in modern day uh, value. I think an ounce of silver is about $25 and an ounce of gold is about $1,900. About a little over $3 million when I added up the numbers. I don't know how much it really was. But he was, he was right under the king. The king had all the resources you possibly could imagine. He had all this money. He had all this money, but he, had, he needed something that money couldn't buy. But I, I will say this, this. This is what blessed my heart. You know what? When, you, when there's a cure for something like this, it's worth, it's worth uh, more than all the money we can muster up. And I tell you, we're talking about natural disease. If somebody could have a, a cure for cancer right now, I tell you, people would, I, people would flock in with billions and, and maybe even a trillion dollars. Say, if there's a remedy for cancer, then we'll, we'll pay a trillion dollars for that. Problem is, if it was cost a trillion dollars for one dose... There wouldn't be too many people. There wouldn't be anybody in here, I doubt, that could afford it. I'll tell you that remedy is worth something, though, isn't it? The cure is precious. The cure is priceless. The cure is worth pursuing. See, Naaman's looking for a natural cure to leprosy. But I'll tell you why we're here tonight is that you've got a problem with sin... And there's a cure, and it came at a high, high, high price tag. It was more than a trillion dollars. It says we're not redeemed by the corruptible things of silver and of gold, but by the blood of Jesus. So Naaman takes all of his money that he has, He gathers his horses. No doubt he's got a lot of servants that are going with him. And he begins to travel over to Israel. And he goes to the king. The king is wondering, is he trying to start a war with me? He said, am I God to kill and to make alive? Elisha gets word. You see, the king, you may have some, there's some powerful people in the world today that don't know the way of salvation. The king here is told by Elisha, just send him down to me. Naaman shows up. Naaman shows up outside the house of Elisha. And I bet he's, he's a man of authority. He's a man of power. As I said earlier, he's a man of political power and economic power. He, had, he, he knew about military power. He, he was used to meeting with people and, and, and meeting with people that could push things around. And when it gets to the door of the house, Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends his messenger and says, here's the remedy. Here's what I want you to do, Elisha, or, uh, Naaman. I want you to go down to the Jordan. And I want you to dip in the Jordan seven times and you will be cleansed. I know I've said a lot tonight, but I want you to know that salvation 
is really, really simple. If you want to be born again, you must come to Jesus. It's not the river of Jordan that you need to go to. It is to appeal to the blood of Jesus Christ that flowed from Calvary's cross that has the power to wash away every single stain of sin. You see, if I were to bring brought in that, I use old t-shirts sometimes to do the detailing. Once they get dirty, I throw them in the pile in the corner. I'm kind of like my dad. I'm resourceful, I guess. Old socks or old t-shirts, I throw them in the corner and I reuse them as rags. And as I wipe them around... Uh, those tire wheels, many times I just toss them. Because you know what? Bleach can't take out the stain of that oil and that grime. It's too deep down in there. You can't get it. And this is the problem with us. This is the problem with you and me. Sin has gotten so down deep into the fabric of your soul. It actually is in it's the core of who you are. You have Adam's nature. And there's no, if I were to take those old rags that I have detailed those wheels with and throw them in the washer, my wife might kill me, but if I threw them in the washer and I put a whole lot of bleach in there, I would tell you that the stains still would not come out. But here's the simple truth. If you humble yourself and believe the good news of the gospel, Jesus has a power to cleanse your soul so that there's not even one dot of blackness left in your heart. He died that you could be pure that you could be righteous, that you could be made holy. His blood is that powerful and it is more, it has more value than all the money in the world and the remedy is the same for the rich and for the poor and for everybody in between. Now Naaman though, as he heard this message, and he heard that Elisha, he, he said he, he, had, uh, he had other expectations. He thought that Elisha was going to come out and strike his hand over the door and take him through some kind of ceremony and he would be healed. You know what? We've got a lot of churches today that will take a lot of people through a certain ceremony and deem them healed. But it doesn't come that way. Salvation is very personal. It's very real and you must experience it for yourself. I can't get you there. I couldn't even get myself there. I celebrated this past week 19, my 19th spiritual birthday on April the 7th. 
The Lord Jesus Christ met with me in my bedroom one night at 2.20 in the morning. I tell you, my soul was so stained by sin that I tried to hide it from everybody uh, through religion, through church membership, through trying to tell people about Jesus in other places. But I tell you, I could do all that. I could, I could cover it all up. But there was guilt and there was shame. There was corruption in the core. But that night in my bedroom, as I cried out to the Lord, He plunged me beneath the crimson flood and He washed my sin as white as snow. And I tell you, I haven't had to go back. I've had to had, had confess some things every now and then. But I haven't had to go back for salvation. He did such a good job the first time that it's done. It's done. He saved me when I didn't expect it. I'm so glad He did. He can do that for you tonight too. But Naaman didn't want to hear that message. Naaman was angry. This was a man of power and authority. He thought, hey, there's no way I'm going to humble myself down. I'm not going to go down to that Jordan River. He says, are not Abana and Farfar? Those were nice rivers. They were clear rivers. The Jordan was kind of a dirtier river. And he was there in Israel. He said, I don't want to do that. You know, we can't, we can't argue with God. We can't come to God the way we want to come to God. We've got to repent and believe the gospel. We've got to obey what He has called us to do. And so Naaman was wroth and his servants luckily were there and said, Hey, hey, if he told you to do some great thing, would you not do it? You know what? If somebody told you to do some great thing here tonight, if somebody said, Hey, let's have a foot race out here. If one of your coaches said, let's have a foot race out here, see who's the fastest. I bet there would be a lot of kids that line up and take off. If there was a big award that you could win in school for highest academics, I bet you'd do all you could do to try to get to that. Naaman was willing to do some great thing, but he didn't want to do the simple thing. Jesus said later in the New Testament, He said, unless you humble yourself as a little child, you'll not enter the kingdom. Dear friend, all it takes is humbling yourself before the Lord. He says, as many as shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I've already read to you what happened. Naaman could have said, I'm going to examine that message. I'm going to examine that remedy. But you know what? This salvation is something that you need to know for for yourself. You need to have an experience, a time and a place where you know that, hey, just like those saints I told you at that church I grew up, I heard saints telling they got saved here, they got saved there. My wife testified this morning that she got saved as a 10-year-old girl on Palm Sunday many years ago. I'm not going to tell you how many years. Salvation is something you need to experience. But you've got to humble yourself. You've got to obey the gospel. 
It says, and the servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Do you want to be clean tonight? As Brother Brad said, the Holy Spirit has sent in the world to convict the world of sin, or reprove the world of sin, and righteousness and judgment. As I came to understand that I was lost, there was a kind of a weight that set in on me. There was an understanding that something wasn't right on the inside. I knew I was kind of dirty. And I've shared the message with you. Naaman knew the message. But he had to obey. And it says here in verse 14, Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. He obeyed. He couldn't do it eight times. He couldn't do it six times. He had to do it seven times. And listen to what he said. His flesh came again like into the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This was a miracle. Who in here dips in water seven times and enjoys a miracle? Something that all the money that he had, all the prestige, all the power that he had, it couldn't do it. Because you know what? This miracle right here, it took the power of God took the power of God. As Elijah and Elisha, they went around, they did various things and made an axe head float one time. It took the power of God. That's the one thing that's missing in our world today when people talk about salvation. It takes the power of God. The remedy hasn't changed. The amount of power that it takes hasn't changed. I'm afraid it's the people that have changed. I'm afraid there's a lot of people that wanted to walk away like Naaman, angry. To say, as we gaze at the cross, we don't want to see our sin. We don't want to see a Savior who suffered on the cross and died and bled for me. We want to be able to say, we can handle this by ourselves. But as we see here, Naaman was helpless. He was helpless in and of himself. I pray that whatever you've been propping yourself up on, I pray that the props have been knocked off and you realize I'm helpless. If I don't lay myself before the power of God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, I'll never be able to save myself. That's where you'll have to get. But about every testimony I've heard, That's where God meets and shows up in that place of brokenness and humility and helplessness and beating upon their breast, crying, God, be merciful. I need a miracle. You see, name and experience a miracle. You know you can too. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ... 
He is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. Naaman's outward flesh was made brand new. I'll tell you what God can do inside of you through what Christ did on the cross. He can make you brand new on the inside. He cleanses you. But Naaman didn't just get that outward cleansing. I believe he got a full cleansing. Verse 15, he returned to the man of God, he and his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold. See, the prophet's words proved true. I believe he heard that, hey, that that message he gave me there, it took an act of God. He had been calling on all these false gods. He served his king and he went into the house of the false gods. They didn't have the power. His king didn't have the power to pray for him. But I'll tell you, there's a king of kings that has prayed for you. And he actually invites you. He is humble and gentle and lowly of heart. Maybe you've been carrying this load and you feel dirty and defiled. You can be like Naaman was. He says, now I know, I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. We often talk about you need to know that you know that you know. I was preaching at a funeral a few weeks ago and it was one where I didn't know anybody in the crowd but one person. A young lady in her 20s was sitting back on the back. Some of the people at church have heard me share this, but... As I was preaching, you could just sense the Spirit of God working on her heart and, and doing something. Tears were flowing down her face. I didn't, I didn't know her from... I didn't know her. She came up to me and said, I don't know where you got that guy. She didn't, she didn't even know my name. You know what? That name and that little girl didn't even know... We don't even know her name. Still don't know her name. doesn't matter about our names. It's, it matters that are we pointing people to Jesus. I got to talking to her afterwards. Began to ask, I said, what happened to you? She doesn't know our language. She don't know how we talk about salvation. She just said this. When you know, you know. I believe Naaman knew. I believe there's many people in this church house that know the Lord. The Hebrew letter says that we won't have to teach every man his neighbor to know the Lord, but they will all know the Lord from the least of them to the greatest. You may be young, you may be old. If you haven't been born again, I'll tell you, God will give you something that you'll know personally and intimately, and your life will never be the same. I beg of you as we get a song and sing, if the Lord is convicting you and drawing you, will you please come? Will you seek Him? Call out on His name. Ask Him to have mercy on your soul. It takes the power of God to save you. But I tell you, the one that I'm telling you about tonight, He is the Almighty. And He is good. And He is willing and He is able as we seek Him, as we get a song and sing. I'll turn it over to Brother Brad.